0: And those are important places in the kingdom, but go. And this word world means the physical world, the reality around you, what you can see and touch. Move into the places that you know and understand and all the world. Not one square inch of creation is meant to be left behind. The disciples took this seriously. The history of the ancient church is of Rapid growth, there has never been a movement of faith before or since that spread as rapidly to as many corners of the earth as the Christian faith did, as the early church did. And there wasn't perfection in doing this. There were a lot of mistakes that were made. There was pain in this, there was death, there was all kinds of stuff, but it spread. And it was unmatched in its ability to transcend culture and location in the ancient world. And it still does to this day. This doesn't happen by accident. It requires a boldness of spirit that I admire so much about these disciples. And I'll tell you where I admire their boldness so much. I admire it because I don't think for a minute they were concerned for their comfort. Do you? It's uncomfortable to leave your familiar setting and where you know the grocery store is and where your gas station is, it is uncomfortable to set aside those things, those touch points where we go, I feel good about this. I like where my couch is. I like my food. I like my television. I like all these other things. And Americans have a uniquely challenging problem in our abundance. You may think you may not have a lot of abundance. You may be going paycheck to paycheck. I get that. But make no mistake, we live in great abundance in this part of the world. Tremendous abundance. And it is challenging to our faith. The disciples did not let their comfort impede the spread of the gospel. My question for us, church, is will we? Will we let our comfort impede what God wants to do through each of us? And I say that as someone who has been guilty of that. I say that as someone who's been hesitant to invite people to church in the secular Pacific Northwest. I say that as someone who often says, oh, I could have said a little bit more, I could have offered to pray for that person, I could have gestured toward Jesus, and I didn't. And I'm sure I'm not the only person in this room who's had that experience. And I'm not piling on guilt, I'm not piling on shame, I'm asking us to rigorously, through the lens of the gospel, assess how's my comfort blunting the force of the gospel in my life. And are you happy with that? You okay with that? How's that working out for you? It's not working out good for me. I want more. And here's what's gonna help us. Here's what helps me. A reinvigoration, a reassessment of the gospel's place in my life by simply looking at it full bore. So I wanna offer to us actually not anything really all that different from what Jesus offered to his disciples. He said, go and proclaim the good news. What is the good news? They knew it, they heard it, and it connected in their brains. Let me remind us what it is again. This is from Philippians chapter three. I'm just blown away by the apostle Paul's ability to so put together the good news of the gospel in a couple of phrases. Paul has just been talking to the Philippian church about his pedigree and his degrees. I'm a Jew among Jews. I was a leader in the church, or excuse me, a leader in the synagogue. I have studied this stuff. I get it. He blows all of us away. And then he says this, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through what church? Through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. What did Jesus say to the disciples when they didn't believe? Go do the law, go check the boxes, go make it work in the religious system that you're a part of. No, he didn't say that at all. He said, go, live out your faith, follow me. How many of us, our comforts or our sense of moral uprightness comes from obeying whatever version of the law is that you live under? I want to be a good engineer at my firm. I wanna be a good, faithful spouse and raise my children properly. I wanna be involved in my neighborhood, but not too involved, I don't want any of this messiness to get on me. No, those are versions of the law. What we need is right standing with God that can only come through one way, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no checking the box or working ourselves into a religious lather to achieve this standing before God. And Paul knew it. And it broke him to realize how dependent he was on the law, on his own effort. How have you been relying on your effort to make you feel better about your relationship with God? How have you been turning to, well, I just need to pray a little more, or I need to do this, I need to do, I need to do, and I'm not against doing things. But I want the grace of Christ to be my fuel and my motivator for the things that I do. We talked about this last week with religion versus the gospel. There's a handout at the welcome table again this week. I would invite all of you to take a copy of it and just reflect on it. It is so healthy and important. I keep it, I keep this chart taped up by my desk in my office so I don't forget the gospel. Jonathan Edwards, Martin Luther, John Calvin, these great forefathers in the the faith, they all agreed on many things, one thing in particular, that the default mode of your heart and my heart is the law. It is religion. It is making stuff up for ourselves so that we can feel good about ourselves. We will not trend toward the gospel. We must intentionally move toward it. We must be so saturated in it that we do not forget it. And when we forget it, because we will, that we rely on Jesus's grace to bring us back where we belong, to his feet, to ask him for his mercy. And you know what? I, we weren't there, we don't know, but I sure as heck hope that the disciples, after Jesus said to them, go, that they just fell at his feet before they went and they just said, thank you. Thank you for giving us another chance. Do you need to hear that this week? You have another chance. You have another chance. It's today, it's tomorrow, it's the next day. You have abundant opportunity to begin the work of sinking the gospel more deeply into your own heart through the Holy Spirit and then to carry that forth into the lives of others. And it will be difficult to do this. This is why I called the last section when it gets difficult to believe, not if, when. The disciples have wrestled with unbelief and disbelief. They want to believe, they know they're supposed to believe, but they're missing the gospel. Jesus presents it to them yet again. And then in this final section of Mark's gospel, there's this identification, this giving a GPS location, if you will, that none of the other gospel accounts that I'm aware of offer. I don't know that this is offered quite this way in any other part of the New Testament. It's where Jesus goes after the resurrection. Think about this. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. In Acts, Jesus meets with his disciples and he is lifted up and a cloud obscures him from their view, remember that? The other gospels, it just simply ends like in John's gospel, with the restoration of Peter, there's, there's a way that each gospel talks about the resurrection, but here Mark gives us where Jesus sits, where he rules, where he ministers from, and it's the right hand of God. This is an image connected to royalty, right? In these ancient days, a king, a queen would have sat front and center in their court and on their left would have been one person, on their right would have been one person. James and John argued about this with Jesus. Remember, who's gonna sit on your left? Who's gonna sit on your right? What a terrific argument to have in front of the Lord of the universe. And what this is saying here is inequality because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equals. Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. And that person in the royal court who sat at the right hand of the king and the right hand of the queen, they did the queen or the king's bidding. They went with the power of the royal office behind them. They went not as some peon or some lackey, but they went as an actual representative of a power greater than themselves. Jesus is not dead, he is alive but he has not come back yet. He will, but he has not come back yet. The end of this world, the beginning of the age to come, it hasn't happened yet. Until it does, guess where Jesus is? He's at the right hand of God. He has not moved. The global pandemic did not shake him from his post. He cares about what we're going through, but it has not shaken him or deterred him. The pain of the world, which he feels precisely that he felt on the cross, it has not knocked him off of his post. It has not clouded his vision for you and for me. Because the seat that he sits on at the right hand of God is eternal. And it is eternally good news for the people of God to be reminded that the power and grace of God flows through Jesus Christ into your life and mine. He doesn't sit at the right hand of God and put his feet up and have some queso and enjoy a great afternoon. He is there to bring his power and grace to life through you, through me. Not because we're worthy, precisely precisely because we're not worthy. There's nothing we could do to earn or deserve it. Do you know that this is where Jesus is? And part of the reason he's there is for you. So you can have his resurrection power. So you can do impossible things. So you, like the disciples in the earliest days of the church looked around at an oppressive culture in the Roman empire and said, okay, let's go. Don't know how, but let's go. In Jesus' power, there is a place for you. There is a place for His church to be deployed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is that great question that good leaders ask of others what would you do if you knew you could not fail? What would you do if you felt so confident in who has your back and the force of the people behind you and the driving of this mission that's in front of you? What would you do if you could not fail? Jesus Christ already knows the answer to that. And it is for us to be his people, to be his disciples, to minister to a broken and painful world, to read things like this fire at the apartment complex near Dunlap that displaced so many families, and to grieve that and lament that and to say, you know what, there's something we can do. We're being asked to help it's an honor to be asked to help there's something we can do i invite you to step into that i invite you to step into that in your own schools i invite you to step into that in your neighborhoods and in your workplaces what is that thing that jesus has put in front of you to do and his resurrection power alone will give you the ability to do it in the season that's ahead this church we will need that resurrection power more than we ever have we are moving forward We are not staying put. We have big challenges and big opportunities ahead of us. Many of you know I have the privilege of taking a sabbatical this summer. I'm really excited for it. And what I have seen in other churches that have given their pastors the gift of a sabbatical is a tremendous outpouring of creativity for ministry. From you, not from me, I ain't gonna be here. But from you, from the power of the Holy Spirit at work in each of you. What would that resurrection power look like? Come into life. With me out of the way, your dreams can come to powerful fruition. I mean that. What might that look like? A Couple of questions to consider as we take time to discuss with one another. We're gonna get into smaller groups, no more than four or six. Share your name, a highlight from this past week, something good that brought you gratitude or joy. And then this second one I'll read for us because I know the print is small. Jesus told his disciples to bring the good news to all creation. This includes places or situations that might feel exclusive to faith in Christ. In other words, don't bring that in here. What's one area of your life that you find to be difficult to speak about your faith? No shame, no, no making fun, just where is it difficult for you to say, because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm compelled to do this or say this. After everyone has shared, take a moment and pray for the opportunity to share the good news in difficult places. This is in our DNA. This is in the life of the church, to go into these difficult places, to go to your businesses, to go to your schools, and to do so in a way that is winsome and engaging and honors the people around you, but that is truthful and rooted in the power of the resurrection. So let's take a moment, let's get into small groups, let's talk to one another, and then I'll call us back together in just a few moments. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Oh, man. We need it. I need it. Would you help us now as we turn, as we have this opportunity to dialogue? Would you fill this room with more of you and more of your power? And may there be steps taken as a result of these conversations to bless and serve the world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to turn in your groups and talk with one another. I'll call you back in just a little while. Groups, I hope it was a good conversation. This is one of the things we discovered during the days when we were online only, is that people really love to be able to talk to one another and enjoy just a little extra fellowship but also a chance to reflect. So thank you all for doing that. Okay. Okay. Uh, we are going to conclude our time in worship with a time of prayer for our community and our world. And so Garrett and Michelle are going to come up and lead us in our prayer.
1: Thanks, Travis. Um, Yeah, we had a really good discussion in our group and I feel like I'm processing a lot. Uh, Before uh, we pray, I did want to just give an update uh, for, so for Michelle and I, we work with a college campus ministry called CREW, reaching students at UW Bothell and UW Seattle. And so just wanted to share a few ways that you guys can be praying for our ministry in this season. Um, Yeah, I think uh, college students, I think even just realizing you know we talk with college students and the privilege that they have to be able to go to school and get an education and with that privilege the power it gives them in their communities and um, and so we talk about how are they using their power and privilege to to reach out to people around them and college students just like us um, they they struggle in terms of, a lot of fear and insecurity as well as this, this fear of failure since they're in college every day they're told like you have to do a b and c in order to do well <laughs> and so when we talk with them about faith and what it looks like to trust god they want to try to do the same thing and do a b and c for all these rules or like if i know how to perfectly you know talk with someone, then I'll be able to to share my faith with them and just realize like that's not a reality and, and encouraging them, reminding them that they have God's spirit that gives them the power and ability to reach out to their friends and peers. So we talk a lot about that and so I think that's one way you can be praying for students and for us is that students would just feel empowered to reach out to their their peers and Uh, their classmates, and be able to just walk alongside them in their spiritual journey and point them towards Christ. Because we really believe that if college campuses in this area are going to be reached, it's not going to happen from people like me. It's going to happen through the college students that are on that campus. So if you could just be praying for that. And then in particular, two students to be praying for. um, There's a student in our ministry named Eric and his mom is dying from cancer right now. And we've had a lot of really hard conversations. And I think if you could just keep him and his mom in, in, their prayer, in your prayers, that would be great. He lives in Kirkland, his mom is here in Kirkland and he had to take the quarter off of school to, uh, to be with his mom and family. But yeah, we continue to pray for a miracle. miracle and we know that God has the ability to do that. But I think just pray for his family and then a, 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 another student named Claire, um, who is new to our ministry and I've gotten to know um, even just this past week she was sharing with me about how when she was really young her father left her um, and and really just didn't want anything to do uh, with her. And so it's just her and her mom at home and they live uh, in Bellevue and just there's a lot more there that um, I'm hopeful we'll be able to process with her but... I think there's just been a lot of pain that she's experiencing. So those are just a few things. So, yeah, i love to pray for those things and invite you guys to pray for those uh, with me. And then we also just want to pray for, uh, yeah, the community around us, knowing that, that colleges is just one part of our community. So, yeah, please join me in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful for you, God, Thank you for your spirit, God, that dwells inside of us, that ministers to us, God, and, and, and yeah, just gives us the confidence knowing that when we do step out in faith out of our comfort zone, God, that um, that we're not alone, that you are with us, that you are going before us, God, and that we don't have to have confidence in ourselves, God, but that we can have confidence in you, Lord. So I even just pray. Yeah, for college students in this area, God, uh, those that know you, Lord, that you would just remind them um, that you've given them everything they need to reach out to their peers, to their friends, their communities, God. And we do desire to see these campuses um, be a place where every student that walks on on these campuses, God, would know and connect and meet someone that knows Jesus, God, and that every student would have an opportunity to respond in faith to know you, Lord. And so we do just pray for the students in our ministry that just like us struggle with with fear comfort um, not wanting to fail um, insecurities god just pray that you would just remind them of your grace and, and your love for them lord and I do you want to lift up eric and his mom to you god and we do continue to pray every day god that if it's your will that you would heal his mom but most importantly god we pray that you would remind them that you are near to them god in this time, and that you would just be caring for their family Lord, and I want to pray for for Claire, Lord, and yeah even just the the grief um, that she's processing, even just to be yeah through her father leaving her, just to even be told through that, whether directly or indirectly that I'm sure there's things that she's processing of I'm not good enough that that I'm not truly loved God, I pray that she would hear your voice in that, and that yeah she would hear that. she is good enough good enough to to die for lord and that yeah she would just be um, reminded of your love and shown that in a tangible way lord and yeah i do pray for our our community lord i even just pray um like we heard at the beginning for the families um at dunlap elementary god so many families that were impacted by this fire god we just pray for restoration god for healing for resources to be able to rebuild god um, and Lord, we also just continue to pray for Ukraine, God. And we just, Lord, we just ask, God, in your name, Jesus, that you would bring an end to this terrible war, God. And just be caring for the people in Ukraine and, and be with the leaders both within Ukraine and, and Russia and, and the entire world, God, of how to navigate this and, and, and bring this to peace, Lord. And, yeah, and I pray for our, our church, Lord, uh, even as, yeah, Travis shared this morning on what it looks like to step out of our comfort zone, zones to bring the good news. God, I pray, would you show us this week what that looks like, God, to trust you and to step out into our comfort zone, knowing there's people that live next door to us, that we work next, uh, beside God that, that don't know you, that need to, um, a chance to hear what the good news of Jesus is in their life, Lord. And we know the good news is for everyone, God. So I just pray that we would be able to walk in confidence, this week, not our own, uh, but the confidence that's found in you, Lord. So, yeah, we love you and thank you and and pray this in your son's name. Amen.
0: All right, church, I invite you to stand. The opportunity to go forth in the power of the resurrection is not something that is extended lightly. It is extended to people not who are worthy, by their own effort, but through the grace of Jesus and for the purposes of Jesus. The way Jesus wants you to use that power today, he already knows. It is up to you to discover it, to be faithful, to listen, to respond, and to do so with an open hand. Jesus will guide you to the place that he desires. And it's better than anything you and I could come up with. So let us go forth with the confidence in the one who has prepared the way for us from this place, receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus, the Christ, and the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of his Holy Spirit be with you all, now and always. Now go in peace, church, and serve the Lord, and God's people agreed and said together. Amen. Go in peace.